Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the August 2022 edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, tonight we're going to take an in depth look at a new health scare. It's called monkeypox. I was having a lot of fatigue and body aches. I just thought it was exhaustion from traveling. But the next morning, I woke up with rashes all over my hands. The lesions started spreading to the more usual suspect areas. So that really made the doctors sort of confirm that what I had was monkeypox. Kevin Kawong believes he was first infected in late June, about a month after monkeypox cases began to be reported in the U.S. It was sort of this like mystery disease. I think I approached things cautiously, but at the same time, I wasn't even sure what to be aware of. By late July, the World Health Organization declared it a global health emergency, their highest level of alert. It will not be the next COVID-19 pandemic, but as a public health professional, I am very worried about what's unfolding because this has the possibility to become a new virus that circulates regularly. So how does monkeypox spread? And what can be done to contain this outbreak? It's called monkeypox because it was first detected in research monkeys and because it's closely related to smallpox. The way I think about smallpox, it's the human version of monkeypox. It's not engineered to exploit human cells and human bodies. We're like an accidental host. Monkeypox is endemic to parts of Africa, where it mostly circulates among rodents. Occasionally, from close interactions like hunting or eating, monkeypox will spread from an animal to a human. And in May of 2022, someone showing symptoms traveled from Nigeria to the United Kingdom. Soon after, other cases began appearing in the UK, then Portugal, Sweden, the US. Previously, the outbreaks were fairly limited. Epidemiologists were able to bring it under control. In the current outbreak, it's spreading fairly efficiently between humans, primarily through sexual contact. When infected, monkeypox gets into your bloodstream and creates lesions on the skin while it can spread through respiratory droplets or bodily fluids. With this 2022 outbreak, it's rare. The most common way it spreads is through skin-to-skin contact with those lesions. We know that during intimate contact or cuddling, etc., you make these microabrasions in the skin. You can't really see it a lot of times, but they're there. So the virus just jumps from the person who has it, and there's tons of it, into one of these microabrasions. Once infected, it can take a while for symptoms to appear. That can happen as soon as five days after infection to nearly three weeks after. But they usually appear around here. And these first few days of symptoms look like a typical illness as your immune system kicks in to begin fighting the disease. Fever, headache, fatigue, and even the swelling of your lymph nodes. It's after that that the rash and legions typically begin, especially on the hands and face. With the outbreak that began in 2022, the lesions appear differently. They can be localized more on the genitals and even appear more like bumps, something that not all medical professionals are trained to identify. Even when I went into urgent care, they told me that this was definitely not monkeypox because the way that monkeypox had been appearing in photos that they've received were larger lesions, umbilicated, so kind of like donut-shaped all throughout the body, and I just didn't have any of that at the time. People thought to have visible rashes, like what you'd see in the textbooks with these huge boils on people's arms, but they could be very, very subtle. Dr. Chin Wong was able to diagnose and prescribe Kevin T-pox, an antiviral medication that the government already had stockpiled. 
There was a lot of preparedness, particularly after the September 11th attacks and the anthrax mailings that went into preparing for smallpox. We had a lot of tools already in the arsenal to fight smallpox, but that also worked for monkeypox. The stockpile includes an approved vaccine. U.S. authorities are testing already made doses and ordering 2.5 million more. And so we are in a relatively good position against this virus than we would be against a virus that we had never prepared for before. But we need to make sure that we use those tools appropriately and aggressively in order to bring this virus under control. The vaccine can also be used as part of the treatment. If given within four days after the exposure, it can prevent the infection or at least make it less severe. You can like develop your antibodies because it it's like so slow. It's because it's trying to find a rat and it's a human. The vaccines to come available have been restricted to the community monkeypox is affecting most, men who have sex with men. Among the 6,000 cases currently reported to the World Health Organization, 98% are in men who have sex with men. But we also want to be very careful not to stigmatize the disease or to give the impression that it is exclusively and forever limited to men who have sex with men because that's not the case. It's a human virus. It can attack anyone. Public health officials are concerned about the virus spreading to other vulnerable groups like children or even U.S. animals, which is why the messaging is the same as the last outbreak we saw. Stop the spread and get vaccinated. That was from a video story produced by the Wall Street Journal earlier this month. My guest tonight is Lori Violette. She's the program's director at Face to Face here in Santa Rosa, and she's here to talk about how monkeypox is impacting us here in Sonoma County. So stay with us. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, August 28th, 2022. I love to change the world. This is Greg Morelli with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of August 28, 2022. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin is signaling that he may vote against the Respect for Marriage Act next month, possibly putting the legislation in peril. Speaking at the Kenosha County Fair last week, Johnson told reporters that he thinks the bill is, quote, completely unnecessary because he thinks the Supreme Court's 2015 Obergefell decision that legalized marriage equality in all 50 states will, quote, never be overturned because, quote, it would impact millions of people, end quote. The Respect for Marriage Act would require state governments and the federal government to recognize same-sex and interracial marriages performed by all states. Proponents say the bill is necessary if the Supreme Court overturns its previous decision legalizing marriage rights, as it did in the federal right to abortion. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas even wrote in his concurring opinion in the recent abortion case that the court should, quote, reconsider Obergefell in light of overturning Roe v. Wade. The Respect for Marriage Act got through the House of Representatives with all Democrats voting for it and most Republicans voting against it. But as with most progressive legislation, the Senate is a bigger hurdle. The bill needs 60 votes in the Senate to overcome a filibuster. Ten have to be from Republicans. And Senator Tammy Baldwin said she's confident she could find 10 Republicans to support the bill. In July, Senator Johnson told the Milwaukee Journal Sentin that he would not oppose the bill and he doesn't see any reason why he should oppose it, which has likely made him one of the Republicans Baldwin was counting on. But now he's changing his position, and in addition to the comments he made at the state fair, he told WISN-TV last week that the Respect for Marriage Act is, quote, opening old wounds. Senator Marco Rubio of Florida said that the Respect for Marriage Act is a, quote, stupid waste of time, end quote. 
and demonstrators gathered outside of Springfield, Missouri High School on Monday last week to protest a school board policy that resulted in the removal of pride flags from classrooms. Among the protesters outside Kickapoo High School, holding a sign that said, quote, acceptance saves lives and hate has no home here, was Brett Baxley. He's a local drag performer and alum of the high school. He said, quote, issues at Springfield Public Schools are really close to my heart. As an exiting queer person in Springfield, I know how difficult it can be in this area. I know that teachers who were allies were one of the only reasons I was able to make it through my high school experience, end quote. In an email last week, Kickapoo High School principal Bill Powers instructed a handful of teachers at the city's largest high school to remove the pride flags from their classrooms in order to be compliant with the school board's staff conduct policy. The policy, which was adopted in 2014 and then revised in 2019, does not explicitly ban pride flags. But Principal Powers wrote, quote, I'm writing today in regards to the pride flags each of you has in your classroom. It was recently brought to my attention that we should not be displaying the flags, end quote. When asked about the flags, Springfield Public Schools Chief Communications Officer Stephen Hall noted that the staff conduct policy states that all employees will not represent their personal opinions as district opinions. He added this applies to speech and the use of district property, including the classroom. When an employee conduct does not align with this policy, it's the district's expectation that supervisors will hold team members accountable for maintaining professional conduct. State Representative Crystal Quaid was on hand and spoke to the protesters. She said, quote, I came out today to show support for our LGBTQ students and faculty. She noted that the issue was a district-wide conversation about policy, not about a single principal. And here in California, state-funded travel to the state of Georgia is now banned, unless for emergency purposes. This is due to the state being added to California's no-fly list. This is a list of states that have enacted anti-LGBTQ legislation in recent years, and it brings the total number of states covered by the travel ban to 23. California Attorney General Bob Bonta announced last Friday that he had immediately placed Georgia on the travel ban list because of the enactment of its House Bill 1084 that allows state high school athletic associations to prohibit transgender girls from competing in girls' interscholastic sports. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed the bill into law and it went into effect on August 19th. Kemp said when he signed the law, quote, we put students and parents first by putting woke politics out of the classroom and off the ball field, end quote. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. As you heard in the opening segment tonight, monkeypox is creating quite a scare around the country. And one of the questions a lot of us are asking is whether or not we need to go out and get yet another vaccination. Is it serious? Is it something only impacting gay men? Well, here to answer these questions and many more is my friend Lori Violet. She is the programs director at Face to Face here in Sonoma County. Lori, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Great to be here. It's been a, it's been too long since we've had you on, um, and it's too bad that it's, we've got another medical problem to talk about. Um, so I want to get to that first, and then we'll circle back and talk about what's going on at Face to Face, because I see there's so much happening there. Yes. But yes. let's talk monkeypox. Um, that is in the news. Uh, certainly it's all over the gay news, and people are super concerned about it. But what exactly is it? It sounds awful. Yeah. So first, I want to just uh, say that, um, yeah, we, we're hearing it all over the news and definitely the, the same sex population folks are 
really being hit hard with all of that news. But I want to make clear that it's not an exclusively disease that affects only gay men. Okay, it can affect anybody. So I just wanted to to start that off in the beginning. Yeah, I think that's really an important point because, you know, a lot of the initial stories, especially from some of the conservative news stations, were talking about it as, you know, another gay disease or they were highlighting only gay people that were getting it. And the same thing happened with HIV, didn't it, back in the 80s? Right. Yes, definitely it did. And, and uh, folks like myself and work in, that work in this field are really trying to change that narrative so that it's not only um, focused at um, at same-sex couples, you know, and, same, and people who are having sex with the same gender. Um, and so, and primarily men with men, right? Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is not a gay disease. It, it, anybody can get that. Um, and it can be spread just by contact with another person who person would have to be infected with it to get it. Um, well, that's interesting, right? I mean, viruses don't, they don't know sexual orientation. I mean, it's, it's, if you just yeah. spend 30 seconds thinking about it, it's, it's an obvious fact. And so there can't be anything that's sort of a gay disease. Uh, viruses spread as they would with anybody, no matter what gender you are, no matter what parts you have, no matter who you love. That's so true. That's definitely correct. Yeah. So what are the symptoms? You know, if someone were concerned, what should they be watching for? Yeah. So, so um, the symptoms, they can range. Okay. Not everybody has these symptoms, but symptoms look like rashes. Um, um, they could be like pimple looking like bumps. You know, a person can feel feverish, um, not feeling too well, just like a flu coming on, that type of thing. Um, but again, not everybody gets those symptoms. Some people get very subtle symptoms. So not really being able to identify that this could be what this is. Um, also being definitely misdiagnosed with things like um, syphilis and herpes and things like that as well. So it's a specific test to determine if it is a monkeypox um, exposure. So I, when I've seen some pictures of the, the pimples that you describe... Um, they're different than bug bites. You know, if someone got a series of bug bites on their arm, they look different to me. Is that yes. an accurate description? Absolutely. Yeah, they are different. They look like it starts off kind of just looking like a, a little red blister. And then it kind of has like a little pussy white top to it. So that's the difference between like a bug bite um, and this form of like a rash of monkeypox. Okay. Um, yeah, so it does look different, and it goes in different stages too. So it would be different than a bug bite in in that aspect. And bug bites don't often. I mean, unless you got like a poisonous spider bite, you usually don't get a fever, and you don't get the flu-like symptoms that you were describing. That's correct. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And is there a part of the body that typically these pimples will appear on, or can they appear anywhere? Yeah, they can appear anywhere. Um, oftentimes, it, it does appear in the areas where the contact has happened. So where the skin-to-skin -skin contact has taken place, oftentimes that's where the, the rash will arise. Not always, though. So it can appear in other places um, than where the skin was in contact with another person. Okay. And is it just skin-to-skin -skin contact? I mean, I guess the better question is, how is the virus actually transmitted? Yeah, so um, it, it can be transmitted just by close, intimate contact. 
So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a sexual um, a sexual exchange. It could be just like a, a, a laying close to one another, rubbing on each other, you know, the skin touching one another. Um, it's also been noted that like sharing bedding and sharing clothing, um, things like that are potential um, risk factors as well. Um, and so you have to come in contact with the, the, the rash, the bumps, or the fluid that comes from those rash or bumps to, to spread it. Um, so it's not, it, it is present in sexual body fluids, such as semen and vaginal fluids, but the concentration level of it, what they're saying today is that those fluids are not the fluids that are transmitting it. It's that skin to skin contact. Interesting. So yes. when you, you said that you have to contact the fluid, the rash or the bumps. So I would imagine shaking hands with someone who doesn't have any of those visible signs and symptoms there poses no risk or little risk. Yeah. I, I think that's a true statement. I think definitely little risk. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it is it at all possible that it can be passed through the air? You know, if somebody sneezes or if you're hanging out with somebody and sharing the same sort of breathing space? You know, they they and when I say they, I'm saying the Center of Disease Control, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the public health department and California Department of Public Health is saying that it can be spread through um, the droplets that come out of um, like in a close contact with talking and that type thing, but it's not a high risk. It just is possible that that can take place. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so what's your take on why it appears that there's a lot of men who are having sex with men are the ones that are appearing with this? Is it just because of the amount of contact, maybe the amount of partners that gay, bisexual, and men who have sex with men have? Is that the theory? Hmm. You know, honestly, I, I mean, you know, I, my, my thought about it is that it's, it, it could be some of that, you know, I don't think it's exclusively all of that because for the simple fact that think about all the events that have been taking place, you mm -hmm. know, there's been pride events taking place. It's summertime. There's more events, of, you know, open things are be starting to become um, concerts and things like that are starting to become more, more people attending. And so I mean, in my theory, I believe that, you know, folks that folks that come from the gay population are more loving. We love each other. We hug mm -hmm. each other. We, 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 we're, we're physical beings where we want to hug each other and be close with one another. You know, I don't want to perpetuate the stigma and say, oh, it's people are having sex with everybody and these things are happening. It's not all that. And I think that's an important piece is to reiterate that it's not just sexual contact it can be close dancing contact you know that type of thing as right. well right right yeah well and, it, and it's interesting too i think the media tends to glom onto the stories that fit whatever the narrative is that they're trying to create and so maybe Correct. it's it's about the the stories that we're hearing we're not hearing about for example women who have been become infected with it because it isn't, a, it isn't a traumatic infection for a lot of people, right? You said the symptoms can be fairly mild. You may have it and not really even notice that it's anything unusual, maybe other than you're just not feeling well. That's very true. And it, it's another big piece of it is it's not fatal. Um, there's not, you know, uh, lots of deaths associated with monkeypox. Um, 
So yeah, I I um, I think it's just kind of what what we're hearing in the media and some of that misinformation that perpetuates some of that null that information that came out when HIV was first about you know and how it right. stigmatized certain populations and so it's kind of like we're starting to see kind of that again. Um, the the big difference with monkeypox and HIV is obviously. Um, you know, the, the fatality rate is not there with monkeypox. Right. And, and that I think is where a lot of people were initially very fearful of. It's like, okay, here we go again. We've got this other unknown disease coming in. And what is that going to look like for us with HIV? People were dying right away. And as you right. pointed out, uh, you know, fatalities with monkeypox are, are quite rare. I mean, it's from everything I've read about it, it's just a very uncomfortable, unpleasant thing to have, but your body fights it off and you get through it. That's correct. Um, what are the treatments? Uh, are there any for it? I mean, it's sort of, yes. I guess I liken it sort of to chicken pox. Is that a good Um. Well, it's comparison? not in the chicken pox family at all. Well, it's not. Um, it's, it's not. It's in the smallpox family. Okay. Um, and so they treat monkey pox as the same as they would treat smallpox. Got it. And it's, um, it's T-pox is the, the medication that is provided. Um for for folks um, with monkeypox. So, yeah. all right. So, there's a treatment. Is there a vaccine to prevent it? I know that there's been some things advertised about it, but I haven't heard anything specific. We have a monkeypox vaccine. Are, are they using a smallpox smallpox vaccine to approach it? Yes, um, and that that is the the thought about it. And there, you know, there's been clinics for monkeypox. You see in, in the news in San Francisco, there's lots of clinics and they got lots of doses of the vaccine. Whereas here in Sonoma County, um, there's not a whole lot at this point of lots of vaccines being available. They are here um, and people can get them. Um, however, you ha at this point, most folks have to have been exposed to somebody that has monkeypox or have been told that they were exposed to somebody that has monkeypox to get that uh, vaccine. Um, so it, it, things are going to slowly start to change now that there's a state of an emergency where it should be more vaccines becoming available for, for people who would like to get that vaccine. Um, but it's very limited in our county on where vaccines are located at and I where see. you can get them at. I see. Yeah. So if, let's say you don't get a vaccine, you happen to get monkeypox. Do we know anything about the long-term impact of it? I mean, it sounds like people can process it through and, and return to normal, but do we know anything about the long-term impact of it? You know, I haven't heard any kind of, um, any talk around long-term effects or anything that, you know, can be uh, detrimental in long-term. I haven't heard anything about that. Some of the research that I've done, I haven't found any kind of, um, you know, long-term effects to it. So hopefully it's just going to be one of these things that happen, you get over it, and then you're you're done with, yep. you know. Um, but I don't know that to be 100% true. Got it. it. It strikes me, though, that someone who is living with HIV or who has other STIs could be at more risk. Yes. Uh, so what's your, what's your thinking about that? Uh, is there anything in particular someone who's living with HIV should do uh, around monkeypox? I mean, I would imagine the vaccine would be more important for them. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on like behaviors, you know, it depends on if somebody is living with HIV and they're not coming in contact, skin to skin contact with people, then that doesn't put them at risk for it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if it's somebody who is living with HIV that is um, sexually active with several partners, you know, and is very engaging, then that may be a different story. But um, it's the it's the behaviors. It's not, you know, like what a person may have in their system already. Um, it's just the behaviors. Got it. Is there a test for it? In other words, you know, we can test for HIV. We can test for syphilis, huh? all the other STIs. Is there a test? Yeah, they do have a test for it. And generally what they do is they'll swab the, um, the blisters and get some of the fluid from the blisters. And that's how they perform that test. And is that something that's a, in a rapid test form or do you have to go to your healthcare provider for that? Yes, you do have to go to a healthcare provider. Um, and so as at this point in our county, it's you, you start with your primary care provider um, and then they're able to go through the protocol of that testing. If a person is in need of the vaccine, then it's the same process. You go through your primary care doctor. However, Sonoma County does have a phone number that a person can call um, to find out what clinics they could go to to get um, the vaccine. Basically, it's your primary care provider. Each clinic has a certain amount of doses. Great. What's that phone number? Do you have it handy? I do, actually. It is... Um, 707-565-4568. Perfect. 707-565-4568. And if you don't have a pen and paper as you're listening, we'll post that number on the show notes. Just go to OutBeatNews.com, click show notes at the top of the page, and we'll have that in the text. That's great. Because I would imagine there's a number of people who may be in a population that would be concerned about this who don't have health insurance or don't have access to health care. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, and some of the some of the clinics that will see folks that don't have a primary care home does have they do have vaccine too. So the Jewish Free Clinic has a certain number of doses where folks can get the vaccine, and you don't have to be um, a you know a patient of a designated clinic to be able to receive that. Um, also, what I've been letting people know is San Francisco is another option if they have that option to get to the city. Um, is to go to the city to get that vaccine if that's possible. And that would be probably through the San Francisco AIDS Foundation at Strut, right? Um, that is one location and also the, the San Francisco General Hospital or oh. the Zeckenberg Hospital now, they have a clinic there Great. as well. Yeah. You mentioned syphilis, um, and I know that the symptoms you describe for monkeypox, they can look a lot like syphilis. And it, from what I know about syphilis, it's a more dangerous disease to leave untreated. Is that a true statement? That is a true statement. Absolutely. So talk about that. If, if someone sees a rash, they really should get tested for both syphilis and for potentially monkeypox, but syphilis would be more important. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, syphilis has more severe long-term effects than, than what we know about monkeypox. Um, but it's, it's, definitely, you know, in that same kind of category of, of how it looks and mm -hmm. how it could be spread. However, syphilis definitely has the approach of having sexual activity involved with it, whereas uh, monkeypox doesn't necessarily have to. Got it. Um, so there's a difference there. Yes. 
Okay, so maybe one way is to to think about if you've got something that looks suspicious on your body is to really ask yourself what what you've been doing. Have you been hugging someone or have you been having sex with someone? And if you have a rash and you've been having sex with someone, then the urgency in getting that tested for potentially syphilis is much more critical than perhaps monkeypox. Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, I think, like I, like we just spoke about, I think syphilis has more um, more long-term effects to it that can be negative than monkeypox. I think it's important for both to be tested just so that it's not spread to others, right? Good point. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on this story. Um, it certainly has created a lot of alarm. What I found, I was alarmed by it. I even thought about, you know, should I get the vaccine? Uh, I think we're... We're kind of vaccined out with COVID. And right. uh, and then when I started looking into it, I, I changed my mind. I thought, okay, well, I don't really fit the profile of someone who is likely to become infected. Um, it's not, as you mentioned, spread that easily. It's not like you can be walking in the mall and pick it up. No. Uh, and even if you do get it, it's just uncomfortable. It's not anything that's proven to be fatal, even to the extent that COVID was initially. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good information. Well, this is a great time for a music break. We'll be right back, so stay with us. We've got more with Lori Violet from Face to Face.
Stephen Sketchia with his cover of When I Look at You by Miley Cyrus. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Alpine News In-Depth here on KRCB Radio. I'm Greg Moralia. Tonight we're talking about monkeypox with Lori Violet, the program's director at Face to Face. We've got some time. I'd love to get caught up on what's going on at Face to Face. Absolutely. Um, I think, I would... Yeah. I think last we talked, we, we had a conversation about PrEP. Uh, it's been around since... 2012 for people that don't know what prep is in relation to hiv uh tell us a little bit about it and gosh it's 10 years now since prep's been available yeah so prep is a preventative tool for um for not contracting hiv and so um prep is definitely a very effective way to to not get hiv through through sexual risk factors it's up to 99 percent effective um, if a person, you know, um, stays on their regimen of medication, which is one pill once a day, it's, it's the higher number of 99%. Um, and PrEP uh, is very obtainable. Um, you don't have to pay out of pocket to receive PrEP. If you have healthcare insurance, your healthcare can cover the cost of your PrEP um, medical costs, the lab costs. If you have a copay with um, your pharmacy, then that still takes, you know, that's still in effect. Um, but folks who are uninsured or not insured, you can still access PrEP through the Office of AIDS through their PrEP app program. Um, and it's, they're trying to make it there. I mean, in just the community and in California is trying to make it more available and less with barriers for people to get it. Mm -hmm. um, just because we know how, how well of a prevention tool that is. Um, here at Face to Face, we do have a prep program. It's a telehealth prep program. Um, and uh, folks can just go on to qcareplus.com. And if they want to sign up to get prep, it's all done through telehealth. Um, labs are sent directly to you. Prescriptions are sent directly to you. Um, and you're able to, to talk to a medical professional, either a phone, video call. Um, and access your, your health care through that way for PrEP. That's pretty amazing. Uh, so we'll put that link also on the same site on our show notes. 
great. Uh, just at OutbeatNews.com. That's great. And so people don't even have to go to their primary health care provider. I know some folks are sort of leery to go to their doctor. They may not be out to their doctor. They don't have to go to get it and still have it paid for. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yes. Yep. That is 100% true. Wow. And there are options uh, with PrEP now. It used to be just the one drug, Truvada, and now there are some options. Can you talk about those options and what we know about them, one being better than the other, or what, what have you sure. heard? Yeah, so Truvada is the, the, the medication that um, was initially assigned for PrEP and how that was, you know, in 2012, that's what people were taking was Truvada. Mm -hmm. Now there's a medication called Discovi, and Discovi is... Um, the same thing as Truvada, basically, a little less with any issues with the kidneys. Mm. Um, not a whole lot of people have, you know, have any issues with their kidneys. There's been some that have mild issues. Um, and so Truvada, or excuse me, Discovi has even less of those concerns. Um, the the if effectiveness of both are the same. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And still one pill a day. One pill a day. Yep. And what about this vaccine uh, or an injectable? What have you heard about that? Yeah. So there, there is, it was approved that there is a um, injectable uh, preventative tool for PrEP. Um, and I don't honestly know a whole lot about it just because in my world, um, through our telehealth, that's not an option for us because it, it's a hands-on. You have to be able to go into a clinic to get that injection, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I am um, a little familiar with that, um, and I, I think that's a great option for folks that may have difficulties taking medication daily or forgetting to take their medication daily. It's a great option for that. Now, I remember when I was doing the, the HIV testing there face-to-face -face for a while that there was a new approach to PrEP for people who maybe forgot a dose or who were sort of on again, off again with their um, sexual encounters, the yeah. 211 approach, if yes. I remember it right. Is that still something that's available for people, a recommended practice if you're not sexually active all the time? Yes, it is. And basically what the 211 is, is a person would take two pills, whether that be Truvada or Descovy, uh, at least two hours before a sexual encounter. Um, and then the next day, take one pill. And then the next day after that, take one more pill. So two pills, one pill, one pill. Um, and it's a highly effective way to not get HIV. This is for people who are not regularly engaging in sexual activities that could put them at risk for HIV. Got it. So let's let's talk about HIV testing because that is a process for a screening process for um, getting PrEP. But Correct. we've had COVID now. Uh, I know people used to come into face to face to be able to get HIV tests, and then you you pivoted and provided at home testing. So talk a little about what's happening now. Sure. So now we're pretty much doing a little bit of all of it. Um, so we. We'll test people who are just walk-in is what we call it. They just walk up and say, hey, they want to take an HIV test. We're able to provide that test to them um, by a counselor providing the test to that person, administ you know, administering it, giving them the results, doing the counseling. Um, we're also able to give them an in-home test to take home to test themselves. 
And we're also able to mail HIV test mm. kits to individuals. And there's a um, there's a, a link on our website that a person can request a mail test, a mail-in test for themselves. Now, if I remember right, the test started out, the rapid response test started out being a mouth swab, and then there was a move to doing a finger stick with blood. The in-home testing, is that the swab or are people sticking themselves? It is the swab. Um, when COVID hit, um, the, the California Department of Public Health changed that requirement of having to be blood because, you know, it used to be oral that you can test HIV through the oral, um, the, a mouth swab, right? Right. right. Um, and then they kind of changed it because the accuracy of that result seemed to be a little bit wonky here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, when COVID hit, they, they wanted still people to be able to have access to testing. So they put that back on to where people can get um, can do a test through orally it is still highly effective it still is catching if a person has been exposed to hiv so it's not it's not like it's it doesn't work it does the oral test does work right and and in all cases whether it's a a swab or whether it's a finger stick uh, it's a preliminary test and so if you tested positive you're still going to go and and have to get a confirming test that's right to make sure before before undergoing treatment so let's run this process through a bit. Let's say that somebody goes to the website and gets uh, an at-home test sent to them. What, what comes in that packet? Now, obviously, there's instructions for how to administer the test. Uh, if they test positive, then what, how do they know what to do? Yes. So in um, the packet that we send to people, it has um, the information on how to perform the test. Also on our website, there's a video on how to perform the test. Um, And if the person is interested in PrEP or other STI testing, or if their test is preliminary positive, there's our contact information on what next steps are to do. So we walk people through that process. Um, When they initially sign up for the in-home test on our website, there's a few questions. One is saying, can we contact you? Um, Do you want to follow up a call from one of the counselors? Most people say yes. So it's a way for us to call them and follow up with them as well. In our experience thus far, um, anybody who has taken a home test has returned back to us to get um, confirmatory testing. So we've just been very fortunate that um, folks, you know, I think the process we have in place for people to contact us is very kind of clear. And we make it um, very easy with no barriers for people to get in contact with us so that we can go with them through that next step of getting a confirmatory or getting linked into other STI testing or whatever the needs of Mm -hmm. the individual are. That's great. Now, if someone, again, let's talk about the folks who don't have access to health care who are not insured or uninsured. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they test positive, mm. you know, the treatment is astronomically expensive. What happens? Do they have access to treatment? Yes, absolutely. Whether the person is documented or not. Um, and so in our in our county, we have specialty doctors and um they would be able to be seen by the doctor, get the same treatment that anybody else would get, um, and have that specialty care and receive their medications at no cost. That's so fantastic. There's a program through the state that pays for the medications. Um, and yeah, so nobody is left behind. 
That's great. And of course, that just makes sense from a public health perspective, doesn't it? Because someone who is treated for HIV and whose viral load, based on that treatment, is undetectable, they can't transmit the virus. Is that still the belief? Right. Yes. U equals U. Undetectable is untransmittable. So that is very true, that statement that you said. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense, right, that we should be paying for anybody who needs treatment to get treatment, aside from the, the humanistic piece of it that's obviously important from a public health perspective, keeping the amount of virus that's out in our community down to nothing. That's how we're going to beat this thing. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, I love the idea that people can order the test sent to their home. Um, and there's there's a cost for that or no? Not to the person, no, no costs, free to, free to anybody. That's fantastic. And you've got the training video on the website for how to do it. I think we're, we're all have become experts on how to do these kinds of tests, um, though this yes. one uses a, a mouth swab, so it's a little different than the COVID test, but the, but the idea is sort of the same thing. It's an easy test. You swab your mouth, you drop the paddle into some liquid and wait for the 20 minutes. That's right. And the, and the little reader on it is very much the same. If people have done COVID testing, it's very much the same. So you should be pretty familiar with how to interpret the test. That's right. Yeah, it's awesome. Talk to me about this van I've been hearing so much Ooh. about that is coming to face to face. Yes. So we are super excited um, that we are actually, we have a mobile unit. Um, I can actually say that now because we actually ordered our unit. Um, we're waiting for it to arrive, you know, with all of the issues with, um, with supplies, you know, supplies getting here and cars yeah, yeah. and all of that. It's we're been delayed a little bit, but we will have a mobile unit that will allow us to go out into the community and reach people that cannot reach us. So the most vulnerable people, we can go to, we can go to events and we can just set up shop right at that event and offer testing, um, link people right into care if needed, um, get people signed up for prep if needed, um, be able to provide harm reduction supplies to folks, you know, if needed and all of the above that we do at face to face. So we're super excited to be able to have that. And another really thrilling thing for us is it's a UV van. So what does that mean? So our van is an electric van. Um, and so we're really excited to be able to also help out with the environment and not have a gas running vehicle. Wow. That is super, super exciting. And a, a big step from the days of doing HIV testing in a rental van at, uh, at events, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine that you'd be taking this van, you mentioned events like Pride, Bear Weekend, uh, but also on a more regular basis to our homeless population. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Talk about what you've been doing, and you've been active with this population throughout the COVID time. Talk about the care that face-to-face -face pro provides to unhoused folks. Yeah, so we... Um... We go out to some of the encampments that folks are, are living at and we provide, um, you know, information, um, safer sex uh, supplies, harm reduction supplies. We do syringe cleanups. Um, we do this generally alongside public health that's doing um, syphilis and HIV testing. And so um, our presence at a lot of these encampments are, are well known. We're well respected just as well as the county is, which is very unique for uh, the public health and for uh, 
um, nonprofit organization to kind of work in, in collaboration with one another, it works out very well. Um, and so, yeah, we go out to the encampments. We've been doing it since COVID hit. Um, literally the next day after COVID, the, the, the state of emergency or... The shelter in place. Yeah, it was a state of emergency too. Yeah, we went mobile that next day. Um, and what we did was we just did it right out of staff's car. Um, and it worked out well. That's actually what kind of guided us into getting a mobile unit is because we realized going mobile was we were able to get to people who were were needing our services that couldn't get to us or mm -hmm. even know about us. So that kind of like started up that process of we need to get a van. And now here we are. Hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have the van in motion on the streets in Sonoma County. That's pretty fantastic. Awesome. Yes. So what other news is happening at Face to Face? Things that you want to share? Yeah. Um, so we, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take the light off of prevention a little bit and put some light on our care department. And so our care services here at Face to Face, we um, serve people who are living with HIV with non-medical case management. We have um, bilingual staff. All of the staff that work in the, the care side are now all bilingual. Oh, so excellent. this is going to be a super benefit for our community um, and the people that we serve. Um, and so I think that's a, a really good highlight to, to allow um, folks that may not speak English as a first language um, to have more of a comfortable setting for individuals to, um, to receive services from face-to-face. Mm -hmm. -face. So that's very exciting. Um, and our... Um, our development department is just flourishing. They just are, you know, they do the art for life and the beer fest and the gay wine weekend and all of that. And they're, they just have been wonderful in getting um, basically money for the programs to, to continue. Um, and we're very fortunate in our, in our County that we have such good support for prevention and for care. That's great. So speaking of Art for Life, it is underway this year. And again, it's a virtual event that's spanning several days. It started uh, last week on August 25th. Local artists donate amazing art that goes up for auction. Talk about where the funds go and what those funds provide from the money that people donate. Yes. So the, the supporters of the face-to-face, -face, which is when, they, when an auction item is sold, 100% of the, the um, proceeds go to supporting people living with HIV um, and preventing HIV. So it goes directly back into the community. And it's specific to HIV kinds of services. Yes, absolutely. I remember going to many Art for Life events, um, and one of the moving parts of the event was the stones mm -hmm. and the count you know about how many people how many new infections and how many people in our county are living with hiv and you know of course through all the great work you're doing and the great work that, that our system is doing those numbers are going down but give us a sense here in 2022 of the demographics around hiv in the county numbers going up numbers going down or staying the same Yes. Um, so unfortunately, our numbers are going up. Oh, no. um, and so um, 
Yes, I, I, I can't speak a lot about the, the numbers just because I, I don't know a lot about the numbers. I, all I do know is that our numbers are rising um, in new affections with HIV in 2022. Mm. And that yes. could be because more people are coming in to get tested. Maybe there's a greater awareness. It's, I always liken this to when I talk about uh, crime numbers, right? If you encourage people to make reports about crime, the numbers of crimes reported are going to go up, and it appears you've had a crime spike. Um, but you've been in this business long enough to know that that's probably not the case. It's probably that there are just new infections, maybe because there's more people, maybe because there's less attention being paid to it. What do you think? Yeah. You know, honestly, I think with with when COVID hit, I think a lot of services were shut down mm. and less access to folks being able to be tested. However, on the flip side of that, people didn't stop using drugs. People didn't stop having sex. If anything, it increased. Mm -hmm. And so the the risk of HIV increased. And so with less testing and more risk, now that things are opened back up, there's there is more people testing, so that means you're gonna catch more, right? Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of it's 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 hard to explain because it's a really good thing that we're catching folks, right, and being able to link them into care, um, but we don't want to see our numbers continue to rise like that because we've worked so hard on prevention sure. to keep those numbers low. Sure, um, and that's our mission is to end HIV in Sonoma County. Right. Right. Well, with people like you, there's a chance we'll get it done. Laura, you're so dedicated uh, to all of this. So we've been talking with Prevention Director at Face to Face, Lori Violette, a longtime dedicated member to uh, Face to Face and trying to beat HIV and serve our unhoused population and to support those who are really in need. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with us and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to speak today. I appreciate your support and I appreciate your dedication as well. And don't forget, we have all the phone numbers and websites we just talked about on our website at outbeatnews.com. Just click on show notes at the top of the page. Well, next month, my guest is going to be Bobby Scopa. She's a veteran firefighter and a transgender woman. Bobby's new book titled Both Sides of the Fire Line, a memoir of a transgender firefighter, is coming out in just a couple of weeks, and it's a great read. And there's an opportunity for you to meet her in person just before she comes on our show. Bobby will be doing a reading at the Book Passage Bookstore, which is located at 51 Tamil Vista in Corte Madera. That's coming up on Saturday, September 24th, starting at 1 p.m. And then you can catch my full interview with Bobby the next night on Sunday, September 25th at 8 p.m., and only here on KRCB Radio. Tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and right here on 104.9 KRCB-FM. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia. Our shows are available for on-demand play anytime on our website at OutBeatNews.com and on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now on iHeartRadio. Find links to subscribe at OutBeatNews.com. I love to change the world, but I don't know.
You're broken down and tired Of living life on the merry-go-round And you can't find a fighter But I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out We gon' walk it out and move on days And I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day I'll rise up, I'll rise unafraid I'll rise up, and I'll do it a thousand times again Silence is a quiet And it feels like it's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like dying But I promise we would take the world to its feet Move I won't take Bring it to its feet Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCBFM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free-range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken. Air-chilled, non-GMO, locally raised right here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at rockyandrosie.com. You're listening to 104.9 KRCBFM Roner Park and KRCGFM Windsor, Sonoma County's NPR station. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Beale Street Caravan is next.